Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Janelle Wilson is a Philadelphia-based full-time real estate investor with a portfolio worth over $10 million. Her strategy is specializing in small multifamily buy and holds. She started her career as a chemical engineer and went from one male-dominated field to another. She found that the skills that made her a bomb chemical engineer could be used to make her a bomb real estate investor, and that real estate would build her more wealth than engineering. She is now entering another stage of her career, teaching others in STEM fields how they can build wealth through real estate and how they can jump into real estate investing too. Well, Janelle Wilson, welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I interview guests from all over, but it just so happens that you and I are both in Philadelphia, PA. Are you from Philly? I'm actually from New Jersey, South Jersey, and um, I started working in Philly, which is why I moved here. Plus, I realized that the real estate tax was so much cheaper. Ah, everything's strategic with you, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all about saving money. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Um, I know you're a chemical engineer by trade. How did you first get involved in engineering? Well, I've always liked math and science, and I was going to major in chemistry, actually. And then my chemistry teacher, he noticed that I was good at math. He said, you would make more money as an engineer. And he said the magic words, (laughs) make more money. And um, I Googled it. And chemical engineering at the time was the most profitable career with a four-year degree. So that was how I got started in engineering. My grandmother and my mom are actually cosmetologists. They do hair. Mm -hmm. So originally, I really wanted to make shampoos and, you know, a lot of personal products. But I wound up going into research at the USDA. Oh, interesting. So did you, so you worked at the USDA yourself? Yes, um, I started working at the USDA out in Glenside as a research engineer. What were you working on there? So they do studies on ethanol production and other ways to to reduce our foreign dependency on gas and oil. So I did a bunch of research there and on dairy products. And it's like about using food products for things that are not food based. Hmm. And then how long did you work as an engineer before you realized this isn't for me? I want to do something something else. Well, what happened was I actually started investing like the same year I started working. And it's a long story how that kind of happened, but I was fine doing both at the same time. But what happened was when the the Great Recession came and they were putting freezings on pay raises and what really happened was they did a buyout. They bought a lot of the older, um, the older people there out. And so a lot of people left basically, and it dumped a lot of work on me. And it was so intense that I couldn't do both that and real estate together. And I just had to make a decision. And I thought it was just a sign that it was time for me to transition out of being an engineer. So you were doing some real estate investing while you're working at the USDA and while you were working 
as a chemical engineer. Um, how did yeah. you get introduced to real estate investing to begin with? Well, it's a long story. So my That's dad here, actually, Janelle. <laughs> we're here for your so, long stories. My dad actually had a duplex across the street from my grandmother in West Philly, mm-hmm. and as a young kid, it, it kind of started. It plant the seed got planted when I remember being outside with my cousins. I was about ten or eleven, and he goes across the street to get some spending money for me. And he comes back and he pulls out this fat wad of cash, <laughs> and me and my cousins were all like, "Ooh, wow!" Ooh. And it just it stuck with me that, you know, house across the street equals fat water cash. Yeah. And so that's when I see it was planted. So growing up, I always, uh, I guess, had an ear for hearing about real estate and hearing how, how much money it makes you. It's like when you're looking for a car that you've never even heard of before, and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Yeah. So I would still... I still had an ear for real estate and knowing that it was something that everybody wants to do. And so... Part of the story is that life happened, and um, as I got older, I kind of forgot about the property. I lost a little bit of touch with my dad. The property kind of fell apart, and I didn't hear about it again until I was in my fourth year of college. And my grandmother called me. She lived across the street from the property. She said that, hey, the house is about to go up for share sale. And she said, if, if you want it, you have to, you've got to come pay the taxes. So I was in my last year. I wasn't working or anything. And uh, I came down and I found out that it had about $5,000 worth of taxes on it. So because I worked that summer and also I worked at the USDA, I had an internship there. um, I was able to qualify for a loan for $5,000 to pay those taxes. So that was how I kind of got, I got kind of forced into uh, the real estate game. Amazing. So you started with a $5,000 loan. That was your Yes, that that was the start. <laughs> it, it, it had a, a whole bunch of other stuff for the long story, but that's how it started. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about you know what happened next and how you. Yeah, so I graduated, right? So I graduated school. So I paid the back tax and kind of forgot about it again. I graduated and I actually moved in with my with my grandmother because my job was close to Philly. And, and community from Jersey was far. So I moved in with her and I still kind of was ignoring the property. It was dilapidated. It has holes through the ceiling. Joices were bad. The brick wall was falling down. And I didn't really know what to do. So it, it just sat there until like three months later, my grandmother called me again. She was like the bearer of bad news and said that uh, the city is about to tear the house down. And so I had to go downtown and find out why they're going to tear it down. I, mean, I obviously knew why, but yeah. Um, and when they were reading off all the violations, I just remember that moment of feeling complete overwhelmed. And I was like, how can I do this? And there was this contractor there and it was like the angel sent him. It was like, <laughs> and he said, I can fix all that stuff for you. I was like, really? So long story short, I got a cash advance for my credit card and paid him another 5000 to fix all this, um, all these violations, the joists, you know, the back wall that was caving and all that. So um, at this point, I was like, all right, so I'm into this property, $10,000. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't have any more money. Maybe I should sell it. And my grandmother brought me someone who wanted to buy it. And he was willing to pay $45,000 for this property. I was like, what? Does he know the condition? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, wow. So hmm, if he's willing to pay $45,000, maybe I should keep it. Yeah. So um, I decided to keep it. And then serendipitously, I was talking to one of my mom's clients and she said she had a house around the corner and she got a loan from a drive-by appraisal and was able to get a loan for like $60,000. 
And I was like, what? Drive-by approval? <laughs> and so <laughs> what I did was I fixed up the outside of the house and I painted and put new windows in and I got a drive-by appraisal appraised for 70 grand. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's what gave me the money to fix up this property. There were actually a ton of liens and old mortgages and water bills and all kinds of stuff on it. So I wound up paying about 45000 for it. And it's a good thing I didn't decide to sell it because I would have made nothing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kept it. Um, I, it took me about eight months to fix it up. I had contractor drama. He started the job, didn't finish it, had to find someone else. Uh, it's like the, the, the normal stuff that you go through when fix up a property. But I persevered through. And I wound up putting two tenants in there, both Section 8. And I started cash flowing $700 a month immediately. And at that moment, I forgot all the drama I had been through. and was like, oh, my God, let's do this again. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that was your first property. Um, and, then, and then you decided, this is, this is what I'm going to do. At some point, you, you were also working as an engineer. And you're like, this is actually what I'm going to do because this is where the money is. And then did you start gathering funds to invest in other properties? Well, um, I, I was still, I didn't have any mentors or anything. I didn't know anyone else that was investing. The friends that I told that I was started, they had like zero interest in it and actually kind of made me feel bad about it. So I didn't really tell that many people that I was, I was investing. Um, so I didn't really have that many resources and I kind of was just like, all right, let me just go online and find me a realtor. And I got lucky and found a realtor who was very business savvy. He taught me how to get an LLC um, and just kind of taught me a lot of things about business and and buying. Not everything, but it was enough to get me my second property. But um, I basically was just, just trying to funnel all my money through real estate. I had no dreams of leaving my job at the time because I kind of needed my job to to fuel it and also to qualify for loans. Well, take us through the path. So you, this was your second um, building at this point. How did you mm -hmm. end up, you know, what is the path that ended you at, up where you are now, which is at 10 million? In real estate? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, I've been investing for 16 years. So it is a very long story of lots of ups and downs and learning lessons and meeting people. And there's like no way I could sum it up in a podcast, but I just... I just kept making a bigger step up. Mm -hmm. I didn't keep doing the same thing over. I kept going for the bigger thing and just learning more and always challenging myself. Um, and that's just how I just exponentially grew. I learned about, you know, finances. And I, like I said, I met more people and learned more strategies. And this year was like my 2020, actually, it, especially in the middle of a, of a pandemic. It was like my biggest year. I acquired three million worth of real estate in just that year alone. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing. And, and you know what? I hear myself say these things and I imagine myself at 22, hearing myself say this, I'm like, wow, yeah. I said it so casually. Like I just bought three million worth of, worth of real estate. But <laughs> once you really get rolling, it kind of comes naturally and you have, a, you have your systems in place and it's just, it's just kind of flows. Well, what's your advice, Janelle, on, you know, how to succeed like you did? If, if you were going to talk to, so like you mentioned, when you were 22, that you would have been totally floored to hear yourself saying this right now. So if you were talking to a 22-year-old, which I'm sure you do that because we're going to get into mm -hmm. this later, but you're actually teaching this now. What are your tips? What are your tips to flourish as a developer? 
the most important thing, and this is the most unsexiest part <laughs> of the advice, is you have to be disciplined. You have to build up your discipline. You have to build up your mental toughness because it is a hard field. You're dealing with so many different people, different bureaucracies. It's, you just You just have to, your mindset has to be right for it. And once you train yourself, you train your mind to it, it, it comes naturally. But it's just giving over over that initial hump mm-hmm. of learning the system, learning yourself, learning other people, and learning how this industry works. And once you do it, it is so worthwhile. It's so fulfilling. That should be your motivation to actually build up this mental toughness and discipline and delay gratification to you know make all this come to fruition. So when you were talking earlier about the skills, you know, and the strategies that you need to build up, I mean, is there an overlap with engineering? When I noticed the parallels between engineering and real estate, it was when I noticed that everyone who I met who was also a real estate investor was an engineer. My two closest investor buddies are engineers (laughs) and also an accounting major, IT, finance. So there's definitely a correlation between people in STEM fields and real estate. And when I thought about it, it's like, so these STEM fields involve numbers. Numbers makes you good with investing. And real estate is has been known to be the, the best factor in or the best vehicle in investing. So I think it's only natural that someone who's in these fields would eventually move towards real estate investing. And how does being a woman... And how does being a black woman factor into this, into your career, do you think? Um, I think it actually helps me because I stand out. There's not a lot of women or black women who are doing this in my field. And I find that when I meet men and they see something in me, whether it's me being authentic and they just naturally want to help me succeed. So in, in my opinion, it has helped me. That's amazing. Yeah. I've heard that before that, you know, people don't forget you. Right, right. I've heard that from other women before. Yes, like they, um, when I'm getting deals, you know, they call me up when they, they know exactly what I want to buy. If I call them for advice, they have no problem helping me. I mean, sometimes being a damsel in, in distress helps. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I, I've met a lot of good people and they want to see me succeed as, as well as them. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Well, you've mentioned a lot about building wealth through real estate. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was that I think especially among a lot of women, there's a taboo about discussing money in general and especially about building personal wealth. Do you agree with that? And what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when I hear other women talk about podcasts and they're like, um, oh, I should go discuss this with my husband. And they don't feel like they're capable of making these kind of decisions. But I feel like women and business, and especially in these masculine fields, we add a different take on things, a better take. Like, for example, I've had conversations with a GC that I've used. There was one year where we did like 13 properties. And after like the fifth or sixth one, he said, you know what, I'm only working with you right now. And I said, really? I said, why? He said, well, you're just, you're easy to work with. You you treat my workers fair. And right now in my life, I really just don't want to work with people who are assholes, really. (laughs) And so I feel like because I'm a woman, I care more about than the bottom line, or I care more about the financial bottom line. I care about the people who I work Mm -hmm. with, you know, making sure we're all comfortable and happy because I I feel like we're a team, you know, and I feel like that's 
like a feminine energy that we bring, you know? True. Do you think that among women, there is a taboo about talking about building personal wealth? Like we're not supposed to talk about that or we're not supposed to, um, that's not even supposed to be our mission. Like our mission is supposed to be something. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do feel that way, but I do feel like it's also changing. And I feel like it's because we're taking more on that role to be in the finances and build our own finances. But yeah, I do feel like that's an issue. And if we could talk about it more, we could talk about how we can help each other and change that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about, um, you know, scaling and team building, because when you're talking about building up a real estate business, investment business from zero to 10 million, I mean, that's, there's got to be a lot involved there with building your team and, and learning how to scale. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, the team is almost your number one thing. Number one. That's why I said that relationships are important. How you treat people is important because when you treat them good, they treat you good. And allowing people to, you know, make money and, you know, having a certain energy. So the team is the utmost important thing. Having people bring you deals, being able to finance your deals, that is is number one. Um, the second thing is just knowing how to work and finagle money sometimes. And it's just something that you learn with real estate. Real estate is a great vehicle because you can kind of control the value of it. You could do forced appreciation, which is, is what I specialize in. And if you are in a field where people don't want to be bothered with something like a hard project that, you know, for example, if you buy properties that have tenants who aren't paying, no one really wants to deal with that. But if you make that your niche and you know how to talk to tenants and get them to move out or anything like that, you can capitalize on that market and get houses for cheap. And people will call you when they have a deal like that. And that's how you could scale and, you know, carve out your little section of the market. Interesting. And, you know, you were talking about a little bit about, um, you know, the parallels that you found between STEM fields and real estate and how you have this connection with the STEM field world yeah. um, and you know everything that you studied in school with engineering. Is that what made you decide to teach real estate investing? Tell us a little bit about, you know, your project of teaching. Well, it kind of evolved. Um, so I haven't been on social media since Facebook decided to open the masses to everyone. I, I was never on MySpace. I was never on Instagram. So I kind of just lived in my little bubble. <laughs> and I just, I got on Instagram when my children's daycare started posting. I was like, okay, I guess I have to get on now. And I got on Instagram and started just looking around at the different things about real estate and what people were saying. And I found myself getting inspired. And I was like, wow, um, if I can get inspired, maybe I should start posting things that I'm doing and inspire others. And so that's how it started. I started taking pictures and explaining what I was doing. And a lot of people kept telling me or asking me if I did mentorships and asking me to teach. I was like, no, I'm not really doing that. But here's so-and-so. She teaches or he teaches. And as I began to watch what they were teaching and things that they were saying, I felt that I do bring something different to the table and that I probably should start teaching. Because I've been in it for so long, I feel like I have a lot of experience and wisdom and it's just not the same for someone who's been in, in the field for five years. I feel like I've been in there for different market cycles and I kind of have seen how things go on and I'm a little bit more leery than other people. I'm, I'm more conservative and, and you should be, you know, this is dealing with a lot of money. You know, these houses are hundreds and millions of dollars. So you really have to be careful and watch your bottom line and not do risky things. And I feel like 
just what I'm seeing, it just seems like a lot of people are spending a whole lot of money and you just never know what to do. But so I decided to, because I've been so compelled uh, to do it, I feel like it's kind of my calling. I just, I started getting too many signs that I should do it. I'm like, all right, God, maybe I should start doing this. And things have kind of been falling into place. Like you contact me for the podcast and I got contacted for another podcast. I'm like, you know what? I guess this is the direction that I should be going. And I think that I'm, I have good morals and I put my best foot forward. And also, like I said, because I'm a woman, I'm going to be Mm -hmm. teaching from a different angle. A lot of men, I feel like they teach, you know, just about the strategies and bottom line. But I think that there's more to it than just the numbers. This is real estate, which involves people, which involves tenants. And I think a lot of slumlords out there don't have the don't have the feminine touch of taking care of people. And I feel like if I include that in my course about taking care of people, how to treat people, how to, you know, how to run a business like a true entrepreneur treating tenants like clients it will have a different, better spin on it. It's more of a holistic take on real estate investing. Yeah. Um, And are you doing, uh, it's going to be an online course that you're offering through a website? Yes, it's going to be an online course. And it's going to be, it's very detailed. People are telling me that I'm putting too much in it, but I really think it's important to go over all these things to make sure someone is successful. The financial part, the the mindset part, the logistic part, um, all those things are important to to being a, a real estate investor, especially if you're going to do it to the point where you're investing in millions worth of dollars. Okay, Janelle, tell us where can our listeners get in touch with you to learn more about your courses, sign up for your courses, and maybe follow you on Instagram and social. So I have a landing page at JanelleWilson.com. And if you give me your name and, and information, I will send you an email when the course is ready. You can also follow me on Instagram at Janelle Wilson, J-H-A-N-E-L Wilson. And in there, you can see my journey and I put some tips in there and some some videos of small things you can learn about how to deal with contractors and stuff like that and, and more of my day to day and behind the scenes. I love it. It's so much fun. And your Instagram page has been really inspiring to me as well. Well, Janelle Wilson, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the Hazard Girls podcast today. I'm sure there are women from really all walks of life who can learn from your experience and find their own financial success through real estate investing. A lot of women in non-traditional fields, especially when you're talking about STEM fields, as I was sort of mentioning before, are very mission-driven But I am a strong believer in the idea that we should not be afraid to talk about wealth. Wealth is power. So let's get it in the hands of awesome women who are doing great things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chanel. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.